Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for March 29th, 2018. On today's show, we're going to tell you all about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film senior writer Ben Pearson, and joining me today is Slash Film managing editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. How's it going, guys? All right, so let's dive into the news today. Oh, we got a cat joining us. Is that right? Jacob, is that you? I thought... I don't know. He's on my lap. I didn't hear him meow except through my headphones, so it's <laughs> a phantom cat. I love it. Adds a little color oh, to the podcast. We're keeping this in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so, Chris, let's talk about Wonder Woman 2. A new actor has been added to the cast. This happened right after we finished recording yesterday's podcast. Who is now uh, the newest member of Wonder Woman 2's cast? Uh, Pedro Pascal, who was in uh, Game of Thrones, and he was... In my opinion, the one redeeming factor of that terrible Kingsman sequel has joined the cast um, in an undisclosed role. So we don't really know who he's playing yet, but he's the latest addition to the cast. Uh, Recently, Kristen Wiig was also recently cast as the film's villain. So uh, the the film is slowly coming together. I really liked the first Kingsman, and just, I think it was like last week, uh, I... I missed Kingsman 2 in theaters, but last week I tried to watch the second one and got like, I think, 15 minutes in before I had to turn it off. And I almost never do that. It was just like irredeemable, I thought. But I'm glad to hear that Pedro Pascal at least was enjoyable in that movie. Yeah, that movie, for some reason, Kingsman 2 is seven hours long, and he's <laughs> he's the only good part of those seven hours. So we don't know anything about the character he's playing at all? Like, no hints or anything? That's sort of rare for uh, for a superhero property like this. Yeah, it just said uh, when the story broke, um, Variety ha- had the exclusive, and they said, you know, there's no real details on who he's playing yet. So everyone can feel free to speculate wildly about who he could play. Yeah, that's like, I mean, with no guidelines whatsoever, it's almost impossible to speculate other than, like, he's playing a human male. But I guess even that, with Wonder Woman, like, the idea that gods can factor in, that's not even necessarily a given in this case either. But, uh, Jacob, do you have any theories? I know you read comics here and there. Uh, Wonder Woman doesn't really have a massive lineup of memorable villains outside of 
Ares uh, and Cheetah, who have already being used, Cheetah being played by uh, Kristen Wiig in Wonder Woman 2. So I I don't even know. I have no idea. I like Pascal a lot. Liked him in Game of Thrones. I just saw him in a movie at South by Southwest called uh, Prospect, which he was very, very good in. So this is good news. Whether he's a villain or an ally or whatever he is, I'm happy to see more Pascal. And he, uh, he joins, for me, a random side note. He's like Lee Pace in that he's an actor who's American, but you look at him and like and you think there's no way you're actually American, but he actually is American. And it drives me crazy. <laughs> uh, his yeah, and the the country of origin uh, being a mystery just sort of adds to his whole like enigmatic persona. He he can blend into roles that way. It, it works out really well for him. Yeah, um, you, know, you have two Americans on Game of Thrones, and most people did not realize he was American. So I'm just saying, this guy can be literally playing anybody. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, a non-American, a, a Kiwi director, Taika Waititi. His next film is called Jojo Rabbit, and that movie has also found a new star. Jacob, who's that? That star is uh, Scarlett Johansson, which means this is a weird sort of Marvel reunion between uh, Taika Waititi, who did Thor Ragnarok, and Scarlett Johansson, who plays Black Widow in a bunch of the Marvel movies. But this is very much not a Marvel movie. This is a comedy drama set in Nazi Germany during World War II about a young boy who, uh, growing up in a fascist regime, uh, imagines his own imaginary version of Hitler to be his new best friend as he learns that his mother, played by Johansson, is hiding a Jewish girl in their house. So this, this is such a far-out concept. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you not heard this, this premise before? No, I have not. Oh, uh, and also the imaginary Hitler is played by Taika Waititi himself. <laughs> so wow. Is he, he's doing, using his... is he doing mocap as Hitler, or is he just going to be <laughs> like normal, jovial Taika Waititi, but with a tiny mustache? I think he's just a jovial uh, Taika Waititi. I think the... the <laughs> Joke here is that uh, this kid growing up around propaganda does not realize Hitler's a monster, so his imaginary Hitler is like the best buddy he never had. And, and he slowly starts to realize, oh no, maybe my imaginary best friend is based on someone who's actually horrible, and that's a, the thrust of the movie. And I love that he's using his Thor Ragnarok uh, clout to get this made. He wrote the screenplay uh, about six years ago, where it was on the, the blacklist of best unproduced screenplays for 2012. So he's had this in his back pocket for a while. And Johansson's a good actress, I think, with the right director. Um, put her in the wrong role and she's bad, but uh, put her in the right role with the right people backing her up and she's really good. She's one of those people, she's dependent on the people around her. And with this premise, <laughs> that director, I'm really curious to see how this plays out because as we all know, Holocaust comedies are, are, are rough. They, they, they usually do not work, but I have faith in Taika here. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this one? I very much want to see this. I, I had heard about the premise because I, I uh, wrote a story about this a little while ago. And yeah, this just sounds wild. And I feel like if anyone else were making it, I would be hesitant about it. But since it's him, I'm very curious to see what he does. Yeah, that sounds totally nuts in maybe a really, really good way. Um, <laughs> I mean, the idea of like uh, making a Nazi um, a, a sympathetic figure in any way is slightly troubling in today's political climate but i, I trust taika waititi and I, I feel like he probably knows what he's doing here uh jacob did you mention that this is is this an original concept or is this based on something as far as i know it's original uh i think it's a pure jolt of taika waititi ripped right from his veins okay it definitely sounds out there so i would not be surprised if it came straight from uh some bizarre dream he had or something but uh yeah i'm, I'm also looking forward to checking this one out so something i think all of us are probably not looking forward to is sharknado 6 
that movie uh, has just been announced by Sci-Fi, and it is actually going to end the franchise. Uh, this is going to be the last film in the Sharknado series, and of course, the final movie, they're going out with a bang, they're incorporating time travel into this thing. So our own uh, Ethan Anderton, aka Brad Oman, wrote this article for SlashFilm.com. You can read more about this movie there, but I'm going to read you guys the plot synopsis of Sharknado 6. All is lost, or is it? Finn, who is the character who's played by uh, Ian Ziering, uh, unlocks the time-traveling power of the Sharknados in order to save the world and resurrect his family. In his quest, Finn fights Nazis, dinosaurs, knights, and even takes a ride on Noah's Ark. This time, it's not how to stop the Sharknados, it's when. So, yeah, that sounds really, really ridiculous. Uh, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Kung Fury, in a way, where they're just, like, taking the whole kitchen sink approach to the thing. I'm honestly surprised they haven't really gone, you know, they haven't covered this ground already in the Sharknado franchise. Uh, I tuned in briefly. I've probably seen, like, five minutes of the first movie and then have just uh, absorbed this entire franchise through osmosis on Twitter and through articles that we've written about it on the site. So I've, I've never actually seen any of these movies in their entirety. Have either of you uh, dabbled in the Sharknado franchise at all? Uh, Jacob? I have slightly, and I'll explain to you why I hate this series with a passion. It goes beyond just being, oh, those movies are crappy. Ha ha, they're crappy. Look how garbage they are. And it goes towards the fact that they're intentionally made crappy. It feels like the makers don't understand the reason people latch on to bad movies, the reason people join cults around movies that are so bad they're good, is because the greatest so bad they're good movies are the films that are made by actual artists who have something to say. Like the classic example is Ed Wood, whose movies are political and sexual and driven by so such focus and ideas. And he was a filmmaker who really had something to say. So his vision, as bad as it was, is powered by something really personal. Uh, and even like all these crass and bad B movies from the from the 60s, 70s, 80s, even the worst ones of them have the veneer of being made to appeal to an audience or being made to uh, get somebody to pay to watch them. Whereas Sharknado was like intentionally derailing a train. It's like it's intentionally a bad movie. It does not understand the joy that people take out of these bad movies. And its fan base is entirely ironic hipsters who do not understand why people would actually would embrace bad movies that are actually artistically interesting yeah so it, it's such a naked ugly stupid vile thing and i really hope it's gone forever yeah i think you raised a pretty good point there uh chris have you ever checked out any of these films no but uh, i agree with pretty much everything uh jacob said um what makes good quote-unquote good bad movies so good is they're made uh, in earnest like they're made by people who are trying really hard and they fail, but they're really trying. Like if you set out to just make a bad movie, that's just like cheap to me. Like that just seems like you're you're cheating in a way. Like I, I'd rather watch a bad movie that's trying to be good rather than a movie that just wants to be bad. So I I'm happy this this franchise is coming to an end. Yeah, and like the idea of dinosaurs and Nazis and stuff, that just sort of seems like so played out, doesn't it? Even for something as kitschy as this, like that that's just sort of like a it's the go-to thing when you're talking about like, oh, ridiculous, you know, crazy time travel, uh, dinosaurs and Nazis, blah. I don't know, it just it strikes me as like uh remarkably unimaginative even for <laughs> even in a franchise that is remarkably unimaginative. 
All right, so let's move on to our next topic, and that is the Deadwood movie. Uh, HBO has been going back and forth on this. We've heard so many conflicting reports over the years, but the latest one seems to indicate that the movie is not going to happen. Chris, tell us what's going on. Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, Timothy Oliphant is doing promotion right now for uh, Santa Clarita Diet, and during that promotional tour, uh, the, the Deadwood movie came up. Deadwood was an HBO series. It was great. Uh, it lasted three seasons, and even though it was critically acclaimed, the ratings just weren't really there to make it uh, sustainable for HBO, so they canceled it. Um, ever since it's been canceled, uh, David Milch, the creator, has been kicking around this idea of making a movie. Um, originally, it was it was going to be two movies that would wrap up, uh, you know, the the storyline. Uh, eventually, he settled on one movie, and for a while, it sounded like it was just dead. It wasn't going to happen. Then. In late 2016, uh, word came that, oh, it actually might really happen. And all through 2017, we kept hearing reports that HBO really wants to make this happen. They really want to make the movie happen. Um, David Milch wrote the script. All you know, it, It's moving on the fast track. But now Timothy Oliphant, uh, during this interview, said basically there's no chance it's going to happen. And his reasoning seems to be it's just going to be hard to get the the cast all together again. Um, at the same time, uh, Entertainment Weekly reached out to HBO to get them to comment, and HBO says they're still very committed to making this happen. So this is sort of like a, a he said, he said thing, where Timothy Oliphant thinks it's not going to happen. HBO says they really want it to happen. We don't really know what's going on. Uh, I hope it happens because I was a huge Deadwood fan, and I would love to see you know this movie become a reality, but I guess we'll see. Jacob, do you think Deadwood needs a, a movie? I think it needs one. I think the season three finale is a really great season finale. It doesn't quite function as a series finale. And I think it's in HBO's best interest to make this happen because they've said in the years since that if they had known how well Deadwood would have performed on DVD, uh, they would have finished it. It would have made another season or would have uh, made the movies. And the same thing applies now, even if we're phasing toward you know streaming because – if someone goes to Deadwood on HBO Go or HBO Now and sees three seasons, doesn't see an ending, are they going to watch that? Are they going to stick around and pay their subscription? Are they going to, are they going to want to watch an unfinished show? So by having a movie to cap off the series available for streaming in the library, it just gives people another reason to check out more shows and to dive into more things and keep on paying that monthly subscription. I mean, it's why Hello Ladies, a show that didn't really get watched, got a, a TV movie wrap-up because now people can go to that section on HBO and say, oh, this show only has one season, but it has an ending. I'm going to watch it. So I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to take a lot of effort, but I think HBO understands the power of having that complete library. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point because it, uh, well, I personally think it's a good point because it actually applies to me. I have heard good things about Deadwood. I've, I've been hearing, you know, rave reviews about it for years, and I dove into it fairly recently and watched the first season and a half, and then... I don't know, something about season two, it didn't strike me as, as much as the first season, so I sort of fell off on it. Uh, would you guys recommend me jumping back on and finishing that up, even if this movie doesn't happen? Because that's part of the reason, I think, why I've been reluctant to go back to it, was I knew that it, you know, it was one of those shows where it ended before its time and didn't really have a satisfying conclusion. Do you think that uh, the journey is worth it, even if this movie ends up not happening? Uh, I definitely do. Um, season three is... Uh, very, very good. There's some really great stuff in it, and uh, like Jacob said, it, it ends it ends on an okay note. It ends in a way that if it has to be the finale, it's okay, 
but I'd like there to be more. But so let's just say if it is like if season three is the end of it all, you won't go away disappointed. You'll you'll want more, but you won't be like, ah, oh, man, I can't believe that's it. Like, it's not like a cliffhanger. So uh, I would recommend finishing it up. Cool. Uh, and Hello Ladies, which Jacob mentioned, is a really great and underseen show. I feel like nobody really talks about that, but I, I watched that when it was on and I was really happy to see the movie that wrapped it up. And I think it's a, a satisfying, funny show. So if you've never heard of that one uh, and and are looking for a, a breezy new comedy to check out, I would definitely recommend seeking out Hello Ladies. So let's talk about, uh, for the, the back half of this podcast, uh, one of HBO's new flagship shows i guess you would call it and that is westworld a new season two trailer debuted this morning uh, and jacob you wrote about this briefly on the site and actually all three of us have written articles about it today uh but let's talk about what we think about this trailer jacob let's start with you uh first i think we should do a, just an overall spoiler warning if you haven't if you haven't seen season one we're going to be talking about things that have happened this trailer does not try to hide what's happening uh in the immediate aftermath of season one so just consider this a spoiler warning. If you haven't seen the first uh, 10 episodes and plan to watch them, uh, this is your chance to get out. Uh, and you really should watch it. It's a hell of a show. Yes, good point. Uh, All right, so spoilers, potential spoilers starting now. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is a crazy trailer. It's <laughs> Everything in this trailer is uh, bowled me over. There's so much incredible imagery. The budget looks so much bigger. It seems to have leaning much heavier on the hard sci-fi. Now the cat's fully out of the bag with what Westworld is and everybody in the world that knows what it is, both robots and humans. And it's it's reached the point, uh, the, it's actually reached the hook of the original Westworld movie, which was humans and robots fighting. Where, whereas the original movie was uh, hu- humans being slaughtered by merciless robots, this is a righteous war between robots who have every reason to kill every human they can see. And that's my favorite part of the uh, trailer, actually, is seeing how Delos, the company behind Westworld, is fully mobilized against the Android Uprising. There are soldiers, there are boats, there are jeeps with machine guns. It's an all-out war thing. I love the imagery of these future soldiers fighting against robots dressed like Confederate soldiers at a old army fort. It's just this clash of visuals that, that like, just stri- strikes is strikes my imagination in a way the show always has, how, the way it's always explored how theme parks work, how video games work, how interactive narrative works. But now it's said, okay, we've, we did all that season one. What happens when the people in this story, the people who've been programmed to follow these routes, learn what's going on and don't want to follow it anymore? And that's so thrilling. And, and Chris, I know you, you also had a big reaction to this trailer. Yeah, this... Uh, yeah, I was a fan of the first season, but this trailer looks it looks like it blows everything from the first season out of the water. It just looks insanely uh, big. Like it's bigger in almost every single way imaginable. It just looks bigger and more epic. Um, you know, I know some of it's misleading because a lot of it is like quick shots and, you know, there's going to be a whole lot more story that we don't know about, but I'm, I was already excited for this, but this trailer has me even more excited. Like I want, I want to see this now, like right this minute. Yeah, I'm also, so I I appreciated the first season, but I was also one of those people who was pretty annoyed with the way that it decided to dole out its information. Um, I thought it played everything a little too close to the vest and got a little too cute with the reveals and the time, you know, the way it played with time. Um, and I wish it would have been a little bit more straightforward. I think the second season is, is probably going to not necessarily... Uh, 
make me happy in that regard, but I have to admit that I'm I'm very intrigued by what I see in this trailer, and even sort of having a better picture of what the show is from having seen its entire first season, I think I won't be as annoyed with it, because there was... The thing about the first season was you had to wait until the very end to have your suspicions confirmed. And now that those suspicions are confirmed about the way that, you know, some part of the show took place in this part of the timeline, other parts took place on this part, now you sort of know what the uh, what's on the table, and now I, I feel like I'm going to be better equipped to handle whatever they do in the second season, which, as you guys have mentioned, looks way bigger and, and far more um, intense than what we've seen the first time around. Uh, I think... I think it was Evan Rachel Wood who plays Dolores, the, the lead of the show, said that the first season essentially serves as like the pilot for what the show is going to be. And now that that is out of the way, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do, at, you know, in the quote unquote real show as it as it moves forward. Um, Chris, I know that uh, in this trailer, there is a secret video, a hidden video. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so uh, the the Westworld viral marketing is uh, going overboard, I think. But uh, this is you know this is, is fun stuff if you're into it. Um, there's a there's like a secret video code hidden within the trailer, and thankfully someone on Reddit cracked this because I never would have been able to do it myself. But in the the secret video, it it acts as a, you know a marketing ad for Westworld, but. There are all these like quick flashes of disturbing images, and there's a few new characters. Like we see the head of Del. How's it pronounced? Delios or Delos? Does anyone know? Uh, Delos. Yeah, Delos. Delos. Yeah. So, yeah. So we see like the the head of Delos. There's a quick shot of him carving his face up in a mirror. So that's instantly uh, a red flag about that character. Um, you know, there's just all sorts of disturbing imagery buried within this video. And then at the end of this video, there's another code which takes you to yet another viral website, which then takes you to yet another video, which is all about um, Dolores' father from the first season, who was the first sort of robot to start malfunctioning. And at one point, that, that robot got his mind wiped, and Tessa Thompson's character installed all this data into his wiped mind, and then gave instructions to get that character out of Westworld. So I'm sure that'll all come up again in season two. So it's basically just, it's one thing leading to another with this viral marketing. Yeah. We've heard a lot about how there are going to be six total parks within the, uh, the Delos umbrella under the Delos umbrella, I guess. And Westworld is one of them. Shogun world is another one. And we see, uh, actually, it takes like a full two minutes in this trailer before we get to Shogun World. But once that happens, we see a shot of uh, Maeve, who is Tandy Newton's character. Uh, I think she's the only named character that we recognize from the first season that we see in this trailer that has made it into Shogun World. Jacob, do you have any theories or thoughts about what she could be doing there? Uh, my pet theory is that we're going to see... <laughs> cowboy robots adventure in the shogun world to try to convince the samurai robot to join forces against the future humans which is a sentence i never thought i'd say i'm so happy thank you <laughs> hbo uh so i know that teddy newton's character may is on his personal mission but i'm wondering uh if there's anybody out there who's going to be sort of a warrior for the robot cause for the uprising who's going to be passionate enough to go into a literal different world stare down a bunch of uh people from a robot other robots from a different society and say, hey, join us in this fight. I think it's going to be her. And 
I I don't know where, where it's going to go. Uh, I know that we haven't mentioned yet uh, Rinko Kikuchi from Pacific Rim and uh, uh, Babel has joined the cast, and she's seen in the trailer as a geisha in Shogun World. So, uh, so it's another case where we're going to see uh, more interesting and named characters on this side of the park as well. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like the idea of Maeve as sort of a uh, an emissary or something like that from sent by Dolores. Um, uh, we know that she is on a quest to find her daughter, and but like, what happens after that, or or does she abandon that quest? Uh, we don't really know. That, that's essentially the only thing we know about her character arc this season. So that could happen very, you know, relatively quickly, and then. She, we know that in this trailer we see her having a little confrontation with Dolores and Teddy. So maybe she ends up teaming up with them, and then yeah, it becomes their sort of um, person who's like doing reconnaissance in a different world, or yeah, trying to recruit the Shogun uh, hosts to rise up against their human creators as well. Chris, what do you think? I mean, yeah, that sounds like the most plausible thing. I do wonder. I wonder if like every season now is going to end with them introducing yet another world like every like you know at the end of last season we got the, the hint about shogun world and now i'm just wondering if they're going to keep that going until you know they get through six seasons and they we've revealed them all but i guess we'll see that would be pretty cool be, and, and a good way to structure things because you probably don't i mean i mean very very rarely does any show deserve to go longer than six seasons i think so that might be a good way for them to put a, a satisfying end on this whole thing um or at least think about it in in those terms uh i wrote an in-depth trailer breakdown i spent like <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to say how many hours i spent going through frame by frame all this footage um but one theory that i wanted to mention really quickly was at one point in the trailer we see dolores looking out over a cityscape and uh, you know i've seen some theories that like maybe uh this is like a future world or something like that this is not like the quote-unquote real world this is just a separate theme park under the delos umbrella but i'm wondering if we might actually be seeing uh, a woman who is not dolores but is the inspiration for dolores and this could be like a super flashback because we're supposed to we know that anthony hopkins is not coming back to play the role of robert ford which he played in the first season but we do know that that character is going to be seen in season two played by a younger actor so i'm my theory is maybe dolores looking out over the city is actually um, part of the young Robert Ford storyline, and he just meets this woman and then uses her as the inspiration for creating Dolores, who's like one of the first uh, hosts that is created in the park. Um, do you guys find any... <laughs> any rem does that sound remotely plausible to you? It, it does, but I also wonder, since Dolores is the oldest host in the park, if maybe Robert Ford smuggled her out of the park for some reason, became infatuated with her, and that kind of sets all the events in motion that as everything tumbles down years later yeah that's interesting chris i do like that theater theory i think that is very uh plausible but i feel like like i said with with this trailer it's it's like tailor made to misdirect you in that i'm sure that everyone has like a million theories right now based on it and then we're gonna find out they're all wrong but i guess we'll see yeah i look forward to listening back to this after season two is over and uh, just laughing about how wrong I was. But uh, Westworld Season 2 premieres on April 22nd on HBO, so look forward to that. And I think that's pretty much going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. Guys, where can people find more of your work online? Jacob, let's start with you. I'm on SlashFilm.com every single day, and on Twitter, where I'm at Jacob S. Hall. And Chris? 
Uh, I'm also on Slash Film. I'm on Twitter at C Evangelist 413. And I did this already, but I'm going to do it again. I have a, a very big piece up on the 21st century films of Steven Spielberg. Please go seek that out on SlashFilm.com and read it because it's the first in a series. And I want you all to read it. Thank you. Yes, definitely do that. And I will put the, that piece in the show notes for this episode again. So if you're just listening to this on your phone or whatever, just check out the show notes and click you know, right where you are. You don't even have to do any work to find that article, but it's definitely worth your time. Definitely check it out. Uh, you can find me on SlashFilm.com as well, including this really ridiculous Season 2 Westworld trailer breakdown that I wrote this morning. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find at the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com, and be sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that really does help us out a lot. Tell your friends, spread the word about the show, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.